Hey, what's going on, guys? On this episode of Drugs and Stuff, I've got some good news and some bad news. I'll start with the bad news first. So I thought that the recording was going well. Turns out that we were having some internet issues, so the picture looks kind of crappy at the beginning. Good news is that it does clear up over time, uh, and the audio quality is just fine. So our audio listeners, you guys won't even know the difference. Also, we've got a bunch of great questions this week. DECA decreases dopamine transport proteins and what that means to you. What about really high master on doses, like over a gram, over two grams? Will TRT only allow you to grow muscle even if you're older? Protocols for using HCG to maintain fertility. Will aromacin permanently reduce aromatase? Tactics to gain clients on social media. And proviron dosing, is 25 milligrams enough? All of that and a bunch more, guys. We're gonna do it right now here on Drugs and Stuff. That TV is still really loud, man. Like, really, really loud. I've asked him to turn it down. What else do you want me to fucking do? Did she not turn it down? Did she listen to you? Do we need to have a talk about parenting, Dave? I mean, no, I'm not a parent. That's not. That's the wife. So, oh, that, we don't have. A, that is we the, don't. Okay. Yeah. It's a different story. We, we, we don't can have only control. ask. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We can only thing. request politely. <laughs> very, very politely. All right. Let's get this thing started. We'll live with it. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. Excuse me, with Chaz Crossland. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings. We're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca for those of you in Canada. Uh, Patreon, we appreciate everybody who's helping to support the program on Patreon. And guys, if you want to get your lab work done and you're in the UK, then reach out to Dave. Because he'll not only do your lab work, you also make a new best friend. Uh, and he'll bring you a pizza, uh, up to three toppings of your choice and crazy bread. If he's not there in 30 minutes, your lab work is free. Dave, what's up? One, two, three, <laughs> four, five, six. Good afternoon, sir. Are you practicing um, some <coughs> therapy stuff? Anger management? <laughs> Guys, Dave's having a rough day. Okay, he's got a really busy day. Uh, it's, it's not even that. It, it's so. I judged on Sunday at the Fitex Leeds. Yeah. Uh, not bad show, actually. Good crowd. Very good audience. The audience was brilliant. Um, and all through the day, my mid-back, surprisingly, for some reason, decided it was going to start spasming. Yeah. Um, I also, on the, this was the Sunday, so on the Saturday morning, I'd pushed the cardio and I'd done 45 minutes, which is, I know it's not a lot, but it's a lot for a fat fuck like me, all right? Um, and I woke up early hours of Sunday in a lot of pain with my feet. So okay. I was on codeine mm. on Sunday to get through the day. So now I can't shit because I've been on codeine, so I'm all bunged up. The spasms are still there. At least the feet have calmed down. That's one thing. The spasms are still there. Yeah. Um, and then I've had to cancel something I was supposed to do this morning, which I hate doing, which just pissed me off. And it's just, it's been a testing day, but we're getting there. We we will keep our heads down and we will keep moving forward. And now you get to spend some time hanging out with me and talking about steroids. Favorite part of the week. Mm, with <laughs> shitty... We've shittier than even normal shitty internet connection. You know what's crazy, though? You look absolutely clear. Like, I mean, I'm considering advertising this show as being in 4K. We're not quite in 4K, but I could put that in there. Drugs and stuff, 4K. Because it's really clear right now. So why is it really clear at your end? And basically, I'm just looking at a splodgy thing with beard and glasses at my end. I don't know, but we should get into the content. That's what the people tune in for. They're here for the drugs and the stuff. Um, and we do have a bunch of listener questions, Dave. We've got a bunch of good ones today. They're also here to look at our beautiful faces. They like the cabbage. They're here for the cabbage, I think. But they're here definitely for the listener questions. We, Like I said, we had a bunch of good ones, too. We had... Um, we always get a bunch, and I appreciate you guys commenting with all your questions. If we don't get to your question, if we can't cover it in this episode, please comment again. It's nothing personal, but we only have so much time, 
And um, and we get a good deal of them, too. So I'd say there's an 85 percent chance that your question gets answered on every episode. What do we got here? OK, Scott, you shouldn't like you should. I, I can't even read that. Well, that's how bad that's my okay. connection is. I'll read it to you. Your, your audio connection sounds OK. Is that all right? Go on, then. OK, this is from Eddie. And um, the first thing he says is, uh, Dave, you're uh, my favorite host on the show. I hope that you're having a great day and you're doing a lot of really good things to help a lot of people um, and that we care about you very much. And then after that, after that, he says, question, I've heard all 19 nors decrease dopamine in the brain, but testosterone increases dopamine albeit in very high doses where it seems testosterone becomes neurotoxic and can potentially permanently inhibit to a large degree the serotogenic system as well. Why is this, why is there this disparity in effects towards dopamine? Thanks. Great content. So we're talking about dopamine and steroids. Now, 19 nors, I want to ask you this. We've talked about um, 19 nors interfering with drugs before, right? Yeah, so so 19 nors decrease dopamine transport proteins. Uh, Effectively, what most of the impacts within the brain are, are the fact that nandrolones, in particular decorantren, um, have a very strong binding affinity to non-androgenic receptors. So in the case of dopamine, they bind with dopamine transport proteins, which then means the dopamine can't bind with the proteins and therefore the dopamine can't be transported about the brain. Uh, this is part of the action as to why they cause a rise in prolactin because they effectively lower the available dopamine for the brain. It, it's not that the dopamine's not there, it's that the dopamine can't get to the receptor. Yeah. Okay. Um, and obviously, when you use something like cabagoline or Dostinex or whatever fucking version of it you're having, um, that is a dopamine agonist. So that connects the dopamine receptor and has a positive impact on the receptor. So therefore, your brain thinks there's more dopamine and it lowers prolactin. Um, so that is in part why the nandrolones affect dopamine. The thing is that certain anabolics will attach to certain receptors in a positive or negative way, certain anabolics won't. So for argument's sake, Trembolone attaches to the progesterone receptor and delivers a signal to that receptor equal or greater than that of which progesterone would do. Okay. Whereas Deca attaches to the progesterone receptor but delivers a signal that's lower than that of what progesterone would do. Um, because it binds in a slightly different way. So I'm not quite sure on the answer he's seeking for, but the bulk of these mechanisms revolve around how anabolics attach to non-androgen receptors. So DHT will attach to non-androgen receptors, nandrolones are particularly um, rampant at doing it, trembolone being the most of them all, which is why trembolone has such a huge and almost very common quite rapid impact on people's thought processes and how they feel mentally. Um, but I'm not sure on what he's wanting to get to at the bottom of uh, why these drugs have different actions. That's a bit like saying, why does certain foods taste sour and certain foods taste sweet? Well, it's because they trigger the, you know, the taste glands on the tongue in, in, in those specific areas. Um, uh, and that's that's basically what we've got going on here. We've got anabolics triggering different parts of the brain through receptor activation, okay. um, or as or as it is in the case of of the dopamine uh, binding. So the same way as let's say Masteron binds with aromatase, DHTs bind with aromatase, so it lowers estrogen. Trembolone and Androlone bind with dopamine proteins, so it lowers the movement of dopamine. Therefore, there is less dopamine available for the do- dopamine receptor. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Also, um, it reminds me because I, I, I do remember, and this was probably five years ago, 
um, somebody who was a regular listener was using a really strong drug for ADHD. It, it, it wasn't like the traditional Adderall stuff. It was like a true, like it was like some other type of amphetamine that was somehow even more addictive, I think. But he had started running NPP and he noticed that his need for that medication went up dramatically. Like it dramatically changed uh, while using Nandrolone or DECA. So I, I just, I do find that fascinating and I do find it interesting that it's something we really don't talk about a lot, but it sounds like DECA could really have an effect on your, on your mood in a negative way because of that, you know? Yeah. So depression, low mood from DECA use is probably not as widespread as it is with certain compounds, but it's definitely there. Uh, and DECA definitely has a, an impact when you're combining it with recreational drugs, particularly stuff like cocaine. Yeah. <clears throat> and you may you may very very much think that the coke you're using is of a low grade or a poor quality because you're not getting what you expect to get from it, but that is actually the interference from the androlone that you're running alongside. Huh. Um, I mean, test THT, uh, they that increases neuron activity. So does trend, but in a slightly different way. Um, and, and as a result, it also sort of inhibits neuron um, activity down regulation. So you, you start to overthink, you get anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously, this is because this is a high, high doses. Um, and I mean, you did speak about and So that's that's where you start to get problems. It's, I suppose, right, the best way of looking at it is a bit like this. Alcohol in a small dose is actually a stimulant. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of uh, like Spain and France and places like that, they they will actually have a third of a beer in the morning huh. as a as a pick as a pick me up to, to get them going for the day. It, it has a specific name, but I can't remember what it's called. What do you do with the other two thirds uh, of beer, though? Like, because you can't just well, leave they, a beer open. Ah, but it, if you've ever seen European beers, they sell it in small bottles. Oh, okay, morning sized beers. And so. Um, but if you eat, if you drink greater numbers of alcohol or ethanol, effectively, yeah, um, it's, um, it acts as a suppressant. Yeah. Yeah. So Vincent's saying he can't watch us. Yeah. We're apparently having some issues today is an issue filled day, but I will tell you this, the recording itself, the clarity, the sound, Everything is solid. So if people can't follow on the live stream, uh, they can always tune in on YouTube. And that's where, you know, our final destination is anyway. So we'll live with it. Um, you know, we'll survive. I'll move on to the next question, too. Uh, but definitely that one gets me thinking about a lot of stuff. Uh, question for the Cabbage Fan Club. So not for us, unless we're part of the club. Um, what are your thoughts on very high Master on cycles, such as uh, one gram plus of mast E, along with a gram of test. Could you have great results with as much as two grams of mast if DHT sides in money were not a problem? Thank you. You're my, and he also adds, uh, thanks, my favorite show on YouTube. Thank you. So the big, the biggest thing with high dose DHTs is low estrogen. That's your, that's your biggest concern. Um, so running a gram of mast against a gram of test, your estrogen levels are probably going to be fine. And obviously you're running two gram of anabolics. So you, I would expect dramatic changes of that level of drug use. Yeah. Um, all things being equal, to a point you increase the dose, you will increase the effects. However... You also increase the stress. You also increase the toxicity. You also increase. Um, sorry, my brain's gone blank for some reason. Um, I'll have to just move on because I honestly, my brain's just gone bump. Yeah. Um, so we increase stress. We increase toxicity. And the thing is, as well, one gram double to two gram will not result in double the gains. Uh, and two gram to four gram will not result in double the gain. So as the dosing gets higher, 
the increase in development gets less. And ultimately, this is all regulated by your ability to train and how hard you can train and how well you can consume food to fuel the growth. As you start getting into higher doses, you start to get a negative impact on appetite. So then the food starts to become a problem. You start to become more toxic, more stressed, and then it starts to impact recovery. And you end up with this trade-off almost where you start to equalize where you've got a high level of anabolics, which is going to push recovery and growth, but you've got a high level of stress, which is limiting recovery and growth because the body is now getting more concerned with preserving itself from the, the impact of the toxins you've got in there than it is from trying to grow. Yeah. The, the best, the healthiest person will always grow the best. I'd agree so with that. So High doses can be tolerated for short period of times. I'm not familiar. I'm not sure if people are familiar with Schick. Schick is super high intensity courses, basically mega high blasts for short periods. Hmm. Um, but ultimately, growth is going to be governed by training and food intake. So if you can't consume the calories required to sustain the rate of growth, you're not going to get that rate of growth. It's as yeah. simple as that. And if drugs drugs make that consumption of calories difficult because you've got no appetite, then they become counterproductive. So though it is pretty much a case of more drugs, more growth, they do become counterproductive and there are a lot of caveats, there are a lot of, but there's this, 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 and this to consider at the same time. Um, so if you were running, say, one gram of test and two gram of, uh, of mast, I would be concerned on regards of estrogen levels because if estrogen gets too low, you're just not going to grow. It, it's paramount for growth is estrogen. I used um, I used a lot of master on one time. In fact, I would you say know, I thought you were going to say I used to masturbate a lot at one time. Then. A lot at one point in my life, guys. I just wanted to share that with you. Um, <laughs> now I was going to tell you that. Uh, so I actually had been sponsored by a company that made gear got sponsored by a lab they gave me whatever i wanted and uh i decided it was the first time i tried mast e and they had a i'm trying to fix my head for there we go got some weird stuff going we got all sorts of weird tech stuff going on today dave um i'll live with it yeah so anyway the mast e they had was a it was a blend actually it was 150 mast e with 50 mast probe I thought, okay, well, I, I've never run Mast E before, but I want to get this loaded in my system fast. So I thought to myself, well, what if I ran one milliliter of this every other day? I went to 800, and I was like, this is pretty good. And then I had a little Mast Probe, and I added that in as well. So I think I was at like 900, and I ran that for a few weeks, and it kicked that stuff in so fast, like – I remember seeing, because I was already really lean, I started seeing like striations through my chest and vascularity that wasn't there previously within like five, seven days. It was pretty ridiculous. I didn't maintain that dose. I, I, I do, you know, I have to say that. I didn't maintain that dose, but it was in a contest prep. It was probably like seven, six weeks out. And uh, man, it, it, it was like definitely putting your foot to the floor with the gas. Oh, you, you can definitely run very high doses for short periods of time and, and to a large extent get away with it. Yeah. It, it's it's when you do that too frequently or, mm. or your lead lead up to that dose is is a bit more drug heavy than it needs to be. Yeah. I mean when I when I did first hit four gram, the lead up to that four gram was was low dosage, was a lot of fitness work and coming off the back of a diet. And I tolerated that dose really well. Yeah. When I hit those level again for a second cycle, I had been exposed to high doses for too long. Mm. I was not fit enough. I was not healthy enough. And the second time around, I didn't tolerate those doses anywhere near as well. Yeah, I could see that. So, you know, there's... It's a huge point, man. Like, our cycles don't exist just in a vacuum, you know? No. You've got to look at proceeding. You've got to look at exiting. You've got to look at environmental, ice, work stress, diet, you know, things like that all add into it. Um, sleep as well. Um, I think everybody's complaining about how shit this show is going out live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can't shut the live show off. I just do it just for us. But 
It is what it is. Hey, Alfonso has his own podcast, by the way. He's a lawyer, which he looks like a lawyer now that he says that, doesn't he? The, yeah. Look, he's wearing the suit and stuff. He wanted to have you on the, his show. He um, Did it? Yeah, he wanted to talk about um, uh, steroid laws in the UK, how they became uh, laws in the UK compared to why did it go that way there versus the way it's gone here kind of thing. So. I told him I'd, uh, I'd mention it to you, and I told him to reach out to you, too. So you may get a message yeah, from Alfonso. I'm up to that. I'll have, a, I'll have a play at that. All right. So here's another one. Um, he actually posted it twice in two different ways. Let's see if we – I'll just put this one up. Because the first, first one he asked about you, and he said, question for the next podcast, please. Uh, Dave, are you on TRT? Do you still train? And at 48 – would TRT allow for muscle to be maintained in a calculated deficit as long as diet and training and sleep are on point? Uh, I smoke, I suppose it may be person dependent, but wondered what your thoughts were here. I, I'm just curious to see how did he restate that a second time? He said, question for the next podcast, Dave. Okay. Yeah, no, he, he said it kind of pretty much the same. Um, so, yes, I am on TRT. Yeah. And I am on a proper TRT, so I proper. generally I generally run about fifty to fifty-five milligrams twice a week, and I I measure my dosing based on my levels, and my levels tend to sit around nineteen twenty, peaking at around twenty-five. Okay, uh, that's NMOL. So um, NGDL, what we're looking eight hundred-ish to nine hundred. Okay, sort of so high, higher end of the normal range. Yeah. Of- Higher end of normal range. Um, I do still train, though I don't particularly train with much effort. Um, so I train Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with weights, and then I try and do four fairly decent intensive bike cardio sessions a week as well. But they usually only last 20 or push 30 minutes. If I go beyond that, as I discovered last weekend, uh, it tends to cause me some problems with my arthritis in my feet. Mm. Um, but then again, like so last Friday, I went in the gym in the morning. I did leg extensions and just leg press. And I do leg press really, really slow, TUT style. So I can get away with less weight. So I'm not loading my feet too heavily because that's where my problem is. Yeah. Um, and then I went to train Zach Khan in the afternoon. Oh. And... His normal training partner, Michael, was away, so I jumped in with him and ended up doing leg extensions and leg curls again with Zach. Um, and that I pushed a bit harder in. But my, my, I wouldn't say my training is intense, but there's a there's a modicum of effort in there. Um, and it's only usually two at the most, three, three, three exercises for a body part. And, and it's literally based around a bench day, a deadlift day, and a squat day, but it isn't squat, it's leg press. Um, so yeah, I do. And I do feel that, I mean, I'm 50 and I do feel that you can quite comfortably maintain muscle mass on a higher end TRT. So still within range, but obviously keeping it sort of 20 ish and around, uh, as long as your, if your training's on point is probably the key element to it all. Yeah. If your training is on point, you'll maintain muscle in a, in a deficit. Of course you will. Yeah. I would agree. I'd agree a hundred percent on that. I mean, it all depends on to what extreme you're going with condition, but you know that there's there's thousands of naturals compete annually with incredibly good condition, and they're not dumping shitloads of muscle mass to achieve it either. So it is definitely viable. Yeah, I've worked with a lot of guys uh, in the men's physique division. Like for some reason. Um, here in Michigan, local guys, I, I, I picked up a couple, we did really well. And then from there, it just kind of cascaded. And so for about a five year period of time, I was working with a ton of these younger, natural men's physique guys. And I can tell you, man, that none of them really lost muscle naturally, you know, and obviously some of them are younger, but I mean, some, in some cases we are dieting hard. I can tell you that I think that you, you you mentioned something. I think body fat, like how lean you're getting, I think that's a factor. And here's where I see muscle loss happen. If you're 15% and we get you down to 12%, you can do that comfortably without losing an ounce. Now, from 12% to 8%, you're going to have to get flatter. 
You know, in order to lose fat, we have to pull calories. When we pull calories, your muscle is going to deflate. And that whole process of dieting is deflating, 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 losing fat in the process, and then we fill you back out. In that process, you're you're not going to hold that same roundness and fullness. And if you're off gear, you're definitely not going to. And over time, the harder you push, the further you get, you know, the leaner you get, the harder you have to push. So if you're now at 8% body fat and we want to get you to six, you're going to have to diet a lot harder to get that next 2% than you did that the whole other 7% we already lost. And that's where you more risk losing muscle. And when I say losing muscle, I mean nothing you can't get back when you fill back out, but you... You, you may not be able to hold the look of a bigger, fuller muscle while getting that lean as easily. I think the other problem is as well that many people just grossly overestimate how much muscle they have or grossly underestimate how much fat they have. Absolutely. And so, you know, and a lot of, a lot of people will, will start to diet and their condition will be improving, but they panic because they see the scales dropping rapidly or they see the scales going lower than they thought they actually were and it's it really is just a case of you know they, they keep going down till you get the condition you want and that's where you are yeah and if you if you have genuinely dropped muscle in that diet you will put it back on as soon as you start upping the calories and bringing include clean food back in so you don't need to be too stressed about that unless you're trying to hit a competition deadline obviously something like that where you need as much muscle mass as possible yeah I'd say there's one time that I really did lose muscle and it took me months to get back. And that was um, I had dieted down to the 190s and I competed mid 190s. And then I went into an off season the next and 18 months later, I dieted again. And when I got back down to that 190s and I said to myself, I wasn't quite lean enough. I'm going to just keep pushing and get absolutely freaking peeled. And I don't care if I lose muscle. And I dieted for like another eight, 10 weeks. And literally when I stepped on stage, I was 181 that day. I mean, I lost muscle and it did take time to get it back. Um, I, outside of that though, I mean, that was a really extreme circumstance. Another factor is your training. If you can still train hard and lift heavy, you're gonna be able to hold on to that muscle. What put it there will keep it there, as yeah. they say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the one thing I have found, so I I finished cycling six years ago. Training three years ago, I could very quickly, if I put my head down and started a push, very quickly gain size. Um, whereas now, six years on and having had another period of doing fuck all on the training front in between, yeah, that isn't as easy to do. Um, and so it does feel, at least anyway, whether this is, and it can't be hormone-based because the hormone's been exactly the same. So whether this is diet-based or it's just the fact that I don't retain the same number of satellite cells as I had, potentially god knows but but i do find that i mean i'll still respond if i start to push sure but i'm not particularly focused on that at the moment i mean it's more a case of getting fit and being functional and, and having movement you know i i might get back into my training and a harder level when I, when i'm fit and functional i don't know but at the moment that's not the goal particularly all right um Injectable ephedrine. I've never never used that. He says, happy Monday, fam. This is from Wait What. A question for the next show. Thoughts on injectable ephedrine and Clen. Uh, what would be the timing of each? Thanks, guys. Love the show. This is quite popular um, out in Kuwait. I know it's readily available. I have a couple of clients in Kuwait, and they were telling me that a lot of the guys they, they know use injectable ephedrine. No kidding. Yeah, I never, yeah. never heard of that one. Um, big bang for book. Not not overly um, much stronger, obviously, delivery system because it's injectable. You're not taking it through the stomach. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, they they were they were using it as very common to use it as pre workouts. Huh. I think doses were. I'm trying to think what he was saying. They were dosing it out, but I think it was. Definitely sort of the 15 milligrams, 30 milligrams max sort of range. 
Wow. Um, and they seem to be having very good impacts from it. As to any dosing with ephedrine, you really want to be looking at it from the first part of your day, whatever that time is. Um, we've, we spoke about this numerous times. You do not want to be dropping stimulants in the back half of your day because it's going to affect your sleep and it's going to affect your recovery. What do you call it? Bye-bye time? Mm. You call it bye-bye, bye-bye time. time. Bye-bye time. Is that what you say at night when you go to bed? It's bye-bye time? <laughs> bye-bye time. <laughs> Man, so injectable clen, that's, I think, a lot more common in, in the form of Helios, which is usually a combination of clenbuterol and uh, yohimbine. And it's believed to have, and it does have to an extent, some uh, local fat burning effect. A lot of people don't talk about the systemic effect you get from injectable uh, Helios, though. It still works just like clen. You you may get a little bit of spot reduction in the midsection wherever you put it, but you're also going to get that systemic effect, too. And it, it's strong stuff, man. P, PGF2A has a, a spot reduction effect. Oh, does it? Okay. Mm. Uh, but it also, it will go system-wide. Uh, but it has a very short half-life as an injectable drug. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's very commonly mixed with aqueous creams and then rubbed on the area you're wanting to spot reduce, uh, and it will have an impact. It actually destroys fat cells. Hmm. You got to be but careful it, too, like in how you take that you want to, I've yeah, seen it's rough you, stuff. you want to, anytime you're using a, like, um, a, a localized fat burner, you would want to like grid the area off, you know, and do two, two inches apart, two inches apart kind of grid the area off you're trying to cover. But man, I, I, I'll tell you what, Dave, I think I've used Helios once with clients, maybe twice. And in those maybe, yeah, maybe two or three times, but we're talking, you know, over, if you're doing this full time for a decade, you're going to see a lot of people and it's literally only been that many times. And it's always been people that had it and that they wanted to use it. Uh, and so we've made it work. Um, but realistically, just to throw it out there, you don't need that. You know what I'm saying? Like if you keep dieting, you'll get those problem areas lean. You don't need any fat burners to get lean, but there's no denying it. They do make their job easier. Sure. And faster. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I mean, you know, it's all achievable naturally. Um, it's down to how much you want to risk and, and how much those particular drugs are going to cause problems or not for yourself. And I guess, I guess my point would be that the value of Helios over oral clen is generally not that much higher. Like it's a lot more work to take an injectable uh, that you're using for, you know, across this grid and figuring all that out and taking all these shots, doing it every day versus just taking the pill. Yeah, I mean that's where the PGFA cream comes in because you literally you uh, rub it in and then and then you just put you you literally put a cling film or in your case saran wrap over it. <laughs> you guys don't call it saran wrap over there. No, it's cling film. Cling film. I mean, it's a good descriptive. All right. Question for the well, next podcast. What's that? Good question. Just pour up in the comments. All right, we'll get to it then. Uh, we still have live viewers apparently. Uh, question for the next podcast, uh, which is a better option for keeping fertility long term? Is it better to use HCG in small doses like 250 IUs twice a week during a cruise only? Or is it better to use it year round, even on cycle? We have uh, a kid and we do plan to have other kids in the future, but I just want to play it safe if we change our minds in the future. Oh, do not plan so, for kids in the future. Gotcha. Year-round. If fertility is your concern, then I I would say year-round. Okay. But obviously you can always adopt. And that might be the better option. I mean, if you're an ugly fucker, you could adopt a nice-looking kid and not have to put up with ugly kids. <laughs> if they give you a nice-looking kid, they might be like, eh, it just doesn't match yeah, up. Yeah, you know? Yeah. I wonder if that happens. I wonder if you go for adoption and it's like, I'm sorry, but this kid is too good looking for you. You ugly <laughs> runt. You need an ugly one. 
Uh, speaking of adoption, did somebody get that bulldog you were watching? No, he's still fucking here. He's Man still there. Oh. He's he's gone up for, he's gone up for adoption. So I do know that at least one person has a, has put an application in to adopt him. Are you going to be sad when uh, they take him away? Now, did you bond with him? Dave is so grisly. He doesn't he, love. He doesn't care. No, nothing, not at all. <laughs> I wouldn't do it if I didn't care, would I? You fucking <laughs> um, he, he's a very loving dog. He is a very loving dog. Um, and it's like, I'll sit at the table in the morning. So I got up this morning at five, came down, did my cardio, what I could, went upstairs, sat and had my breakfast, and he just sat on the chair at the side of me, sat at the table. Okay. And he just likes being around people, but he is just a pain in the ass at the same time. You know, he's <laughs> always in the way. So, no, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to help him, but I'll be glad when he's gone as well. Okay. Which question were you talking about here? Because we had Neven um, was talking about uh, fermented cabbage. and Yes, then... fermented cabbage. Fermented okay. cabbage. That's fitting for our program too, isn't it? He says, uh, thoughts on fermented cabbage as a source of probiotics. I think it's absolutely fucking disgusting that you would eat cabbage, you murdering bastard. <laughs> did, did you want me to bring that question up just so you could say that? No. Uh, <laughs> fermented, I am actually a big advocate of fermented foods. Yeah. I think fermented foods are brilliant for gut health. Um, I think it's one that as a sort of within American culture and with within UK culture, it's a food that we don't particularly embrace. Yeah. Whereas when you get into the European, particularly as you start getting towards Russia and Poland and, and Ukraine and those sort of countries where they, they, they do quite actively embrace fermented foods. And obviously the, the Asians have kimchi yeah. um, as well as a fermented food. And I, and I do think fermented foods are, are a missed trick for a lot of people. Hmm. We have that Bubby sauerkraut here. It's a, hmm. like a high-probiotic sauerkraut. Which is, well, I mean, sauerkraut's a, a traditionally Polish dish, I believe, at the end of the day, but it's definitely that Eastern Bloc community anyway. Yes. All right, what else do we have here? Um, question for the next show. I have a friend that his hematocrit is over 57. He has reduced his TRT to 130 milligrams a week. He gives blood once a week, doctor ordered. Um, how can he get his hematocrit down? He does cardio and even tried taking out vitamin C. So his, his ACT is, 50, is over 57. Doing, uh, I'd really want to know his, his, his hemo and his RBC as well. Um, I would of us expected that if he's doing a weekly donation that within three to four weeks that would be down yeah however does he smoke mm. does he drink does he snore hmm sleep apnea will drive hct and hemo up very quickly in fact anything that disrupts your oxygenation will cause hemo and HCT to elevate, uh, which is why it was the smoking question. Alcohol dehydration is another driver for driving hemo and HCT up. So there may be other factors within his lifestyle that are having a bigger impact, and it's not particularly the TRT that's the problem. Hmm. He also might just have polycythemia at the end of the day, though most users blood thickening is based to down to lifestyle, you know, there are existing medical conditions that will cause it as well. Um, I think people are too quick to say they've got those conditions when often it's actually lifestyle that is behind it. But definitely smoking, sleep apnea or, or snoring where you're getting poor oxygenation during your sleep um, and alcohol as long as well as stuff like using anabolics will drive these numbers up. So... Yeah. I'd look at his lifestyle and see if there's anything there that, that rings a bell. I found, too, that once your hematocrit is high, even using a very mild dose of TRT will keep it high. Yes, it, it, it can be. A, and, and the thing is, as well, like lots of things with our body, if he sat high for an extended period of time, mm -hmm. 
then his body's going to start to see that as being its normal point. That's that's its homeostasis. That's its point of of, of you know stasis. Yeah. So it can take a little bit of overdoing it to get it to come down and stay down. Yeah. Um, one thing that he does need to do is post blood let he needs to over hydrate. Mm, yeah. Um, so if he's having a blood let, then he really wants to hammer the fluids for the rest of that day. Um, cause you do get a rebound post blood let and the less hydrated you are, the bigger the rebound is going to be. Um, so the more you can hydrate post blood let, the less of a rebound you'll get uh, and the more effective the blood let will be in lowering these values. You know, plus I just want to, if I'm doing bloodletting, I want to go into that hydrated too. So I would make sure personally that I'm very, very hydrated going into it because if not and that blood runs thick, it's a pain in the butt to sit there and wait for them to get through whatever they're taking. There is the, from a point of view of the ease of doing the bloodlet, yes, hydration does make the whole process easier. From a point of view of effectiveness of the bloodlet, Actually, dehydration is better. Yeah, because because you have a higher concentration and less fluid. Removing a pint at that point removes oh. more material. I see. I see. Huh. But the count the counter to that is because it is thicker, it's slower to come out. You risk clotting. You may not even get the full bag out. Yeah, uh, and things like that start to come into play as well. So it's a balancing act to a degree. I bet once once they do, like you said, once he phlebotomizes three, four times, uh, it's going to come down. And he's going to feel a lot better. And then the key will be keeping it down. You know, the key will be once he gets it down to keep it down. All right, here. Uh, question for the next episode. Can you mix two different peptides in the same needle or will this di- disrupt the amino acid sequences? You know, I don't actually know. I've mixed things like CJC and hexarelin together. Like if I'm doing a couple different of the, you know, similar peptides, but I wouldn't mix growth hormone with anything because I don't want to take the risk. Number one, um, I've also, I've tried it and I've seen it cloud up. So I don't want to mess with that. Same thing. If you try to put insulin and growth hormone in the same syringe, it turns real oh, cloudy. That, that. Yeah. The insulin will have a direct impact on the GH. That's definitely so I try to keep uh, them separate, you know. IGF that's going to be mis- mixed in acetic acid. I just I keep it all separate. Yeah, I, I mean BPC TB, they're fine together. I would suspect that most of the growth hormone secretaries will work fine together. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything else. I mean, I'm not sure if you did say MT2 with with a GH um, agonist. If 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 there would be anything there that would contradict, I honestly don't know. Okay, so be safe. You know what I mean. Don't don't like. I would rather not take the risk. In a lot of don't cases, mix don't mix your drugs. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't even know about this one. Maybe you will, Dave. Have you seen any cases of permanent reduced aromatization from aromasin use? Uh, also, beyond improved body composition, are other uh, any other ideas why many users? need less AI for a given amount of test as they get more advanced. So, yes, I have seen, uh, I've seen study evidence of long-term use of AIs creating a permanent reduction in aromatase. Okay. Um, Not so much from aromasin though. The stuff I've seen has been based around either Letro or Adex. because aromasin is a suicide inhibitor, it binds with the existing aromatase. So it doesn't have an impact on aromatase production, whereas ADEX and letrozole affect actual aromatase production. They suppress production. Uh, and I have seen evidence that that can cause a longer-term suppression of production. Hmm. Um Beside body composition, well, the first thing is... I, w- I would question the statement, any other ideas why many users need less eye for a given amount of tests as they get more advanced? Because I've I've seen no evidence of that. Um, I wouldn't say that's particularly the case. Um, 
there is an element to that a higher level of muscle mass will resulting in lower estrogen sites. Yeah. I'm not saying so sure if it would result in lower estrogen levels. It may do. It's not something I've ever looked at or seen any data on. Uh, definitely body fat levels play a huge role in the level of aromatization, and that would be the most obvious one. I also think that potentially as you get more advanced, you learn how your body works, so you build cycles that are more in tune with what you want. I could definitely see that, yeah. You know what works well for you, and you know what to stay away from. Mm. I like this comment. Tom says, this is the this is some of the only bodybuilding content I would not be embarrassed to have people find out I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's people that would disagree with you, Tom. Yes, I'm very embarrassed, but uh, I have to serve my community service order. All right. How about this one? This is kind of different from uh, Michael Warren. Do you have any suggestions for someone looking to gain clients with social media, but not necessarily focus on the social media stuff? Now, when I read that question, I was like, how do I, I, think I, how do I improve? How do I get more out of something, but not do anything more with it? Like, how can I get yeah. more out of it, but not do anything? I think I sort of get what he means. So, yeah, I'm I'm particularly bad with social media. Um, I don't do the posts I should do. I don't do the marketing I should do with social media. Um, if you look at my social media, I, I generally now and again, I'll stick a client process progress up. Now and again, I'll say, look, I'm, I've got some spaces. Does anyone want to jump in? And then I'll push something that I'm immediately doing. So that would be eval dates or, or the pillars of growth course that, that I'm running. Uh, other than that, my social media gets the odd personal picture, and that's about it. I, I don't do hashtags. I don't do links. I, I'm, I'm shit with a lot of that stuff. And, and to be quite frank, I can't be fucking arsed with it. You posted the show yesterday. Head. That was nice of you. Yeah, that's the first time I've actually managed to get the link working. Yeah. And that was, I found that traumatic. I found that a lot of fucking effort. <laughs> I've generally built it out of consistency. Uh, and I do a huge amount of um, free shit, basically. You know, I, there'll be 30, 40 people a day I'll help in one way yeah. or another that, that there's no charging for. It's just, do it. Yeah. Uh, and I think you can hit the market hard with a big social media presence and that will get you clients. Or you can take the more the longer road, which is just be consistent and be consistent on the quality of what you're putting out and be consistent and and, and to some degree I'm a bit questionable about whether you can saturate social media because I think people a lot of times, I was speaking to someone who markets the other day and they said that one of the downsides to social media is that it's now so saturated, it's difficult to stand out. Mm, I could see that. And she, she was saying that for when she does marketing and she's a market manager, it's what she does. She's, she was like, she tends to take the more direct approach of actually emailing people and, and delivering content in a different way because the social media platforms are so saturated yeah and she likes printed so she still goes back to the old sort of mail shop holy shit yeah uh, but she said it does work leaflets work hmm. uh people have got very out of tune with social media so i think if you're going to use social media you need to put content out there that's a bit different and james smith is a prime example i mean the guy's an absolute fucking dough ball I mean, half of what comes out of his mouth is absolute bollocks. I don't know but James he's Smith. Made, he's, he's a PT that's made a success of appealing to the fact that people are lazy as fuck and don't want to do work. Okay, yeah. So he's marketed himself in such a way that he, he's gone about, look, you don't have to stick to a strict diet. It's okay to eat a bit of shit now and again. It's, and he's, he's made people that don't fit the stereotypical fitness model yeah. 
feel like they're acceptable. Huh. Incredible marketing. Absolutely brilliant. Made a guy a millionaire. He, he's doing literally stadium tours now. Holy shit. Why aren't now, we doing actual, stadium tours, Dave? The actual factual content of what he puts out is crap. Yeah. Half the time, you know, half the time, and he did some stuff on steroids, and it was all absolute fucking garbage. But he played to the everyman. He played to what the guy that, you know, has a curry on a weekend, goes to the gym four days a week, doesn't really progress. He makes them feel good. Yeah. And that's his market, and it works really, really well. Um, so a lot of it depends as well. Do you want to provide a quality service rooted in, in quality and reputation, or do you just want to saturate the market in order to gain business? And that's a personal choice. I, I'm in no way saying that one is worse or better than the other. That's down to how you feel about things. Yeah. But if you want to use social media without getting caught up in that social media trap of constantly posting this shit and that shit and the other shit, then I would say just put out honest, honest stuff. I mean, it's not the first time, and I'll do it again, where I've put a post out saying, right, I've got two client spaces because I'm skint and I need to earn a bit more money this month. <laughs> you know, and, and if you if you do good job with your clients – and you just post up before and afters. I feel like that in itself is great advertisement. Mm. If you just do good job and you show people the work you do, you will get more clients that way. It may be slow, just, but just just don't be doing it every day in, day out, and you know, and, and don't be posting up transformations that are yeah, all right. If you're gonna put some out there, put your best work out there, but just put it out there less frequently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do think there is a, a there is a relationship to the being the more you put into something, the more return you get. You know, the more you invest into that social media to as advertising and as marketing, the more you'll figure out. You know, part of it, too, is like finding out part of it is posting enough to find out what people are going to respond to, you know, and, and I'm not yeah. saying I'm an expert. I don't do a ton of Instagram myself. Um I was bigger into social media five years ago, and, and now I pretty much just, we share this show word of mouth mostly. People, you know, find it through YouTube or, you know, searching on and uh, hearing it from a friend or searching on iTunes. But yeah, we, we don't really push this a lot, but we've listened to people and we've developed the shows based off of what you guys want to hear oftentimes, you know? I, I've seen a few people, uh, coaches, that will, will post a transformation pick pretty much weekly or every twice weekly. Yeah. And unfortunately, the, the bottom line is I don't care how good a coach you are, those truly remarkable transformations are not that common. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things as a result is that people start to switch off because – they they start oh it's another post from so and so yeah the guy's got a bit leaner yeah yeah uh, and it becomes that where I went the route more of I'll post up the good one I mean I have my fair share of shit as well like anybody does you know and uh, every client I take on is not a success sure because I don't fit every client and every client doesn't fit me and some people just don't want to do it the way i do it well and some people and just fine. aren't ready some people may may yeah. not be ready so there is that you know yeah i've had clients leave and come back two years later and have great success two years I've had later that too. but but when they were there the first time they just weren't in the right place for it dude i had a guy but just I, this past year who checked in we, he paid for three months in advance he checked in for a month and then he disappeared and I reached out to him. And I was like, hey, man, uh, you know, if, if you want to start back up, you know, I'm happy to, you, you know, you'd paid for a service. And he did. And guess what? Now he's still working with me and he's getting in better and better shape. Like, but he wasn't ready at first. So there is hmm. there. You, you, yeah. You're dealing with when you're when you're doing when you're working this type of work, you're dealing with the, the, the other person. And are they ready and capable mentally in in all the places they need to be financially? You know, is their job stable? You know, they're not going to have to move in three months, you know, stuff like that. So some some people just aren't ready to listen. I, I've worked with a guy and he's also worked with a friend of mine. And it doesn't matter what you give him. 
He, yeah. he's, he's always got an alternative. He always wants to do something else. And it's like, well, why are you paying for a coach? It, it's just ridiculous. But some people want that. They want to be able to say, I'm coached with, I'm coached by. Um, but going back to the original question, we're sort of getting off it a bit. My approach, if you want to use social media less but still have an impact, is make sure that the quality of the content you put out is spot on. I don't know what this comment means. Fluffy bunny for the win. I have a rabbit. Greatest apartment pet. Super quiet and clean. But and I also a very it. high, a very high source of lean protein. So when you're oh. bored of the fucker, cook the bastard. Do you think he thought Christmas cabbage was a rabbit? I'm struggling to see rabbit in that, even in a drug in choose coma. I'm struggling to see <laughs> rabbit in that. <laughs> All right, we got a couple more. Let's get through these. Um, Benadryl with Clen, will that stop desensitization? Uh, short answer is kind of, but you know what? If you reduce the dose and run it the way we've talked about before, starting low and building, you can make it last a long time anyway. I also think that the Clen desensitization thing is a little bit um, overhyped. Yes. It's, it's nowhere near as impacting as we th used to think it was. I would agree. I mean, we, we used to do the old protocols of two weeks on, two weeks off, and all that sort of stuff, and or even two days on, one day off, and all that sort of stuff. And we we now know that for most people, unless you're running astronomically high levels, you're not going to have a problem with desensitization. Some people still do, though. Like, look, it's still I think oh, common yeah, practice. All right. Uh, question for the next show: Currently running a cut to twenty-five milligrams of test C per week. 350 trend a per week 25 proviron uh, per day my question is should i up the proviron dose or is 25 milligrams per day efficient for ex, uh, excuse me estrogen control not showing any signs of high estrogen and this is my first trend cycle on my first fifth week um, i have absolutely no side effects other than more aggression in the gym good 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 love the show and he also adds, uh, I have five years clean from opiates, so it's nice to hear Scott speak about his past. Uh, you're helping other people more than you know. Thank you, and congratulations on your five years. That's freaking awesome. I think he's probably going to be all right. I hate to guess these things. I, I, I much prefer to have data, but the lab work. Yeah, but you, you. I mean, unless you're going to do a LCMS, you're going to struggle with, mm. with trend anyway. Yeah. Um, I, Proviron is roughly equal to aromacin, and I would generally rule of thumb for someone on about 200, 225 mega test, I would look at probably running a Remacin 12.5 mega twice a week. Okay. So oh. we're, we're, ballpark, we're ballpark dosings, and, and I think he's probably in the right range. Um, he could drop it a bit lower um, if he wanted from the point of view that he is in a cut and he is trying to get leaner. But if he's not experiencing any problems, yeah, if it ain't broke and all that shit, yeah, it sounds like he's doing good, right? Mm. All right, let's cut it there, Dave. I know you have a busy day still. You got all your client check-ins. Um, I've done about five out of God you, knows how many today. You have uh, male modeling. You mentioned that you were primarily a male model on the last episode, so I'm sure you probably have a lot of jet-setting to do uh, this week. I, I, was, I was supposed to be going to London tomorrow to play a butcher in a BBC program. Oh, I thought it was like an interview about steroids. You were doing an actual acting job again. Damn. Guys, if you don't know, I've seen Dave in some movies swinging hammers around. He was... Uh, he was this uh, this pig pig. What was it? The pig killer or what was it? Oh, uh, the, the, the the pig man of Roanoke. Yeah, I was that yeah. as well. I was the pig man. I used there's to chop some, kids up and eat them. There's some good stuff. I I watched that too. I watched that whole segment. By the way, well point. the on the Travel Channel, the, yeah. the pig man of Roanoke. Yeah, yeah. You know, I found it. If you didn't know me and it was me, you wouldn't realize it was me, would you? At all? No, no. But it was good. It was good. <laughs> Considering um, the amount of filming they did, there is very little me in that program. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't need much. You were a powerful character. 
Uh, <laughs> see you on Sunday at Ripped Gym, Dave. That's what Jan says. Not, not if I see you first, Jan. I'm running. <laughs> yeah, ask bring him about cake. the pizza. Ask bring cake and coffee. Dave no, will bring the bring pizza. No, he needs to bring me cake and coffee. All right. We we appreciate everybody who's tuning in. Of course, all of our YouTube people uh, comment with questions for the next show. Damn, I didn't tell people that they should subscribe if they are new here. But I think that they they know. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate all the feedback you give us. And for those of you on the live feed, we uh, we appreciate you hanging with us. We were a little bit spotty. I think it's uh, shot. It's, it's cleared up. It's come really good. Yeah, it's come really good at the end. It's one of the best pictures I've had in all year now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, guys, go to crosslands.org.uk. You can reach out to Dave for coaching there. Uh, go to Eval Blood Analysis Analysis. That is Blood Analysis. Yeah. EvalBloodAnalysis.com for lab work with Dave. Go to our sponsors, TrueNutrition.com, and use our code Think. You'll get great deals on uh, basically their wholesale pricing on uh, supplements there. And SupplementSource.ca for our Canadians. And of course, I thank you everybody from Patreon. You guys are freaking awesome. Dave, can I can, yeah. can I do a plug? Can I do a plug? Mm, okay, thank you. Of course, Dave, it's your, your show. Can I do two plugs? It's our show, Scott. Come well, on. yeah, okay, but yeah, of course. So the first plug is that it is the Eval Fitex qualifier at Bournemouth on the fourth of June. And we will actually have a guest poser. Unfortunately, due to stupid FBB rules, we cannot get any of our pro athletes to do the guest spot because they are banned from doing so. Holy shit. So we have a very good super heavyweight amateur posing for us instead. Um, first prize on the overall is not massive. I appreciate that. But there is a, a prize hamper, champagne, cakes, goodies, 150 quid in cash. Every wow. class winner, every class winner will win a monster top. Every competitor will get an eval T-shirt and a discount voucher. We're we're, we're sinking a shitload of money into this show to try and make it good. So either come along or sign up, but get your asses there. It is the um, Queen's birthday whatever it is thingy weekend so it's it's a big long bank holiday as well and then the other thing is that on the 13th and 14th of august eva will finally be stepping foot in ireland oh nice now we're only there for the weekend oh. we're going to alan Leary's show in Derry, uh but we will be there we'll be doing a seminar we'll be doing bloods i'll probably do a training workshop as well Nice. Uh, so that's that's an early shout out on that one. Well, let's keep plugging that because we have a lot of time on that one, so we can let people know. Um, two questions. Number one is um, how hard is it to get like biological materials uh, back across the border into the UK or into England from Ireland? Number one and number two, what is a prize hamper? So. Okay, so number one is because we're going to go over on the ferry and we're driving, there isn't really a – this is always the big thing with Brexit. There isn't a hard border between Southern and Northern Ireland. Oh. And Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland is English. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so you don't have a physical checkpoint. So it isn't particularly a concern. And at the end of the day, it's blood materials. We're taking them to the lab. There's no issues. Okay. Um, I'm just a curious. Hamper, a hamper is traditionally a hamper is a weaved basket containing substances, usually food and alcohol. So you're going to give away a weaved basket of food and well, alcohol? Well, no. So what what we've got is a weave. Well, this is the thing. You see, you go to any bodybuilding show and you you get a shaker and you get a protein sachet and you get a bit of pre workout bollocks and some of it's shite. Yeah. So what we decided was. Let's give things that people sort of actually want. Like some D-ball. So there's a there's a bottle of champagne for <laughs> the overall male and overall female. Okay. There, there's a four-pack of these uh, very, very nice brownies that a friend Ooh. of mine makes. Fucking expensive brownies as well. Um, <laughs> but there, there's a four-pack of them. There is a £150 in cash. There, like is a, a tan, there is a tan-removing scrub. There is a tan-removing mitt. 
there is some moisturiser for post-removing your tan. There are some silly sweeties, just the stuff you can shove down your throat after coming off stage because you want to because you've dieted for so long. Yeah. So it's it's that sort of stuff in these hampers. We try to make them a bit less bodybuilding and a bit more fun, but also a bit more, you know, at the end of the day, your missus or your fella has put up with you dieting for God knows how many weeks and being a miserable twat. Yeah, you get to bring her so, home some champagne and brownies. Exactly. And, you know, then take her out for a meal or take him out for a meal with the money as well. So there's all those aspects to it. We wanted to cool. try and make it a bit more fun. And how many, uh, how many, what milligram are those deep ball tabs? <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh at my own joke there. No, we'll, be, we'll, be throwing, we'll be throwing in some free testing stuff and stuff like that as nice. well. Nice. Good, so. good. All right. Well, with that, guys, check all that stuff out, and we appreciate you hanging with us. David, we'll see you guys soon. Take care.